0: Well, one day in school, there was a seventh grade biology teacher who was explaining the circulatory system to her students. And as she was teaching, she could tell that one student was visibly not getting the lesson. He was confused to look on his face for most of it. And So after the lesson, she goes up to the boy, Johnny, and she asks him, did you misunderstand a portion of the lesson? Is there something within this that you didn't get? And, and Johnny, looking at her, he said, why is it that when I turn upside down, and all the blood rushes to my head. My face turns red, but when I stand upright, the blood rushes to my feet, but my feet don't turn red. And the teacher was kind of looking there confused, and she didn't really know how to respond. And, but right before she could answer the question, this boy sitting behind Johnny blurted out, well, that's because your feet ain't empty. <laughs> uh, they're getting better, don't worry. Uh, well, this morning, we are continuing a series that Pastor Dustin introduced to us last week, the practice uh, practicing the presence of God. And today we're going to be looking at the practice of teaching and what that means in our lives and how we do that. Uh, now, over the course of this past year, since our beginning of the ministry year, September, uh, we've been going back and forth between looking at who God is and what that means for us as we live in this world. And so back at the beginning of September, we, we introduced this series by uh, understanding the word sacred, what it means for us to be the sacred presence in this world as God's ambassadors. And after that, we, we decided to look at the fruit of the Spirit, what it means for us to have those characteristics and traits of those people who have the Spirit living within them, and the difference that that makes in our lives and the world around us as well. And... As we chatted about the fruit of the Spirit, we moved on there to talk about the names of God, what those names signify, what they tell us about who he is and how he's created us in this world, that he is both the omnipotent creator who oversees galaxies, and he's the faithful one that we can call our friend, and that we can know intimately and as personal as a close friend. And so at Easter, we wrapped up our previous series, which was The power of the presence of God, and so we looked at how God's presence showed up in different places in the Bible, different stories, and what we learn from His power or the power of His presence showing up in those ways. And so, like I said, today we are coming back to the practice of God's presence after we've coming out of the power of God's presence. What What are the actions that mark a person who is living for God? What does their lifestyle look like? And today, like I said, we're going to be talking about the practice of teaching. What does that mean for us? How do we teach others and lead others in that? Uh, So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, We'll be reading Matthew chapter 28. uh, Just a couple short verses there, 18 to 20. I'm sure some of you have this one memorized too. It's the Great Commission. Uh, But Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 18 there. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I always like that last line that he includes in the end of his gospel. We're not left at any point without Jesus, As I said, these these final words in the Gospel of Matthew have been given the name, the Great Commission, because it's not just Jesus commissioning the 11 disciples he's speaking to. It's a call for all believers, for us, for you and me who believe in Jesus and follow him. And I'm sure many, many of you know of missions organizations or international organizations that use this as their purpose statement. Um, And it is a great uh, commitment. It's a great statement to follow after. But it's more than just a task for missionaries. It's more than just a role for those to go out into the rest of the world and proclaim the news of who Jesus is. It's a call for you and for me to speak to those around us within our community, to speak truth and life, to commission or to go as Jesus commissioned us. And so if we choose to follow Jesus, then one of the markings of our lives is that we are to teach others to obey who Jesus, who Jesus is. And so the Sermon on the Mount, one of the largest of Jesus' teachings or the largest grouping together of Jesus' sermons, he says this, anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called the great, greatest in the kingdom of heaven we as followers of Jesus have been given the incredible role of teaching others. And I think that that was a pretty bad decision on God's part, or a very dangerous thing, rather, to do. He knows what he's doing within this, but I'm sure you guys have seen the pitfalls within this too. Some people can teach some things that are way out of line. People can teach some pretty terrible things. And I remember I was just watching an infomercial quite a few years ago, but it was talking about how unhealthy fruit is for you and how bad it is and it's probably going to kill you unless you buy this new juicer and run it through the machine that somehow took out all the bad components of fruit? I don't know. But, but it's more than just infomercials. It's more than just half-truthful news sources that we listen to. False teaching can be very dangerous, and we need to be careful about the things that we allow into our lives. That are allowing to speak to us, especially when it comes to the truth about who God is and what truth really is as well. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Does that sound like a bit of our generation? Do you see that that's also within yourself as well? We need to be careful about the teachings that we allow into our lives, right? And time and time again, the Bible warns us to be careful of false teaching. In the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, it says that if a person claims to speak on God's behalf, if he claims to speak God's words, but it wasn't actually God's words, they're to be put to death. Like, that's how serious they were taking speaking on God's behalf or speaking truth. Right? In the New Testament, as, as Luke describes it in the book of Acts, in chapter 20, he says this, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in and among you and not spare the flock. Even from among your own number, men will arise and distort the truth and drag away the disciples after them. Right? Many false teachings are deceptive. They sound right and they feel even better. That's why we give in to them at times. But... It's just like the teaching that Satan gave Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? Tempting her that it's not really going to do what God said if you disobey him. Which is why we need to trust the truth of the Bible, which is why we need to trust the words that God has given us as truth that we can live by. Matthew 12, verse 36 says this, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. That's a pretty scary thing, especially as someone who teaches others, right? In the book of James, we're told that anyone who is a teacher should be careful of the things that they say because they're going to be judged for it. Right, so do you understand how seriously Jesus is calling us to take the things that we hear, but also how seriously we should take our own words and the things that we speak to others? Right, every, every conversation we have, whether it's with other people, Whether it's alone in our car, the things that we say matter and they will be judged. Our role to teach others then carries with it a very serious responsibility which can feel heavy at times. But, um, as as we're talking about what it means for us to practice teaching, to live that out, uh, there's three things I want us to look at and they'll seem kind of obvious at first. We'll explain them in a bit though. Uh, So the first thing that I want to point out is that teaching first requires us to learn. Teaching first requires us to learn that teaching can be done through our actions, it requires our actions, and the teaching also requires our words. And I realize that when I say that we must first begin by learning in order to teach, some of you are like, yeah, thank you, Captain Obvious, that's great, I already know these things. Um, But what I want to point out is there's a difference between learning something and repeating something. There's a difference between learning and repeating. We, We repeat things that we've taken time to memorize, Things that just bounce around in our thoughts and don't really affect the rest of our lives. Right? But when we learn something, we take it into our hearts. It changes the way that we live in the world. We've learned something, and out of that, our actions, our words, are different. Right? Repeating something might mean that you know it, but learning something means that you understand it, that it's made a difference, and that you believe it. And the hard part about learning is that it requires that we humble ourselves. to submit to the fact that we don't have all the answers. It's like the story of uh, the man who went to visit the Zen teacher. I'm not sure if you've heard this one before, but he he goes to the Zen teacher to learn about his religion and his style of life. And so as he's talking with the leader, he continually interrupts him whenever he gets a sentence or two out. And so as, as the teacher is going through this conversation, he stops speaking and he begins to pour some tea for his friend. And as he's pouring tea, he continues to pour the tea until the cup begins overflowing. And he continues to pour until the man just blurts out, Stop, what are you doing? The cup is full. It's not going to be able to take any more tea. And the teacher set his teapot down and looked at him and he said, Well, like this cup, you are full of your own opinions and thoughts. And before you are able to take anything else and you first have to empty out your understanding how can you taste my cup of tea unless you first let go of your own understandings now i, I want to point out that learning doesn't mean just emptying ourselves of all the things that we think we know right learning doesn't require that first but it requires that we have an attitude of humility one that's willing to listen one that's willing to accept that we don't have all the answers right in humility and submission are every, everyone's favorite two words but they or what's necessary if we want to actually truly learn and be affected and be changed, to humble ourselves before God and and be willing to let him change the way we see the world. And this is a necessary step. right? Before we can teach others, it is an absolutely necessary step. uh, Because when we try to obey God on our own terms or when we try to be good enough on our own terms, we always end up making situations worse off. Right? The, the Great Commission to go and baptize uh, all believers to other nations, teaching them to obey who God is. Right? That can be a beautiful commission, but do you know what that looks like when we don't end up doing it with a transformed heart before first learning and taking that in ourselves? Right? It looks like the Crusades. It looks like the, the periods in time where people, in order to fulfill the Great Commission, they would go up to others, force them to confess faith in Christ, baptize them, and then kill them. Right? It's not really a great way of living out the commission that God has given each of us to baptize others in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and to teach them to obey who He is. That's not a great way of living that out. But that's what happens when we don't submit ourselves to the truth first off. We end up doing the right thing in the very wrong way. So how do we live for Christ? How do we continue to allow him to transform us at the same time as teaching others? And that can be hard, but it starts with a willingness to learn. Are you willing to learn? Have you been transformed by Jesus' grace? In Titus chapter two, he tells us that God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Have you submitted yourself to this? who Jesus is calling us you to be and I also want to make it clear this isn't a one-time event it's not one thing that you can do at a certain point in your life and never do it again we need to daily die to ourselves Jesus says we need to pick up our cross daily and follow him we need to daily set aside our own opinions our own desires our own temptations our own thoughts of the way the world should work and embrace who he is in truth through the scriptures and do you know his teaching? Right? When you read his word, are you reading it with the ability to change the meaning of what the text is to better fit your life? Or do you change your lifestyle to better fit the meaning of truth? There's different ways we can go about this. And like I said, it's not a single event. It's something that happens daily that we need to submit ourselves to him. So, in order to fulfill the command to go and to teach others and to make disciples, we first need to have a transformed heart. In order to teach, we first need to learn. Jesus taught us that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings the good stored out of the good in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Our teaching, our words, and our actions that follow Will be of no value unless they've been transformed by Jesus. So that's the first way. The one way we can teach is by first learning ourselves, by first being transformed by the gospel. And second, one of the ways that we fulfill our role to teach others is through our actions. It's not the only way, but it's definitely a way. Just think think of an infant, for instance before you can communicate to them and help them to understand truths about the world or life, they, they mimic what you do, right? So you stick your tongue out, and they stick their tongue out back at you. You say a bad word, they repeat that bad word. right? But our actions are a display to others of what we believe, what's within our hearts. right? Jesus said in Matthew 7 that one of the ways we can tell false teaching apart from good teaching is to look at the fruit don't just look at the things that they say, look at what their actions are. And what do they tell you? That our actions and our words are the outworking of our heart, which again is why we first need to have a transformed heart. We can't skip that step. But change in action will always follow a changed heart, a transformed heart. So what are you teaching others about the way you live in this world or by the way you live in this world? Right? Uh, think about it this way: If I were to have a list of all the actions that you've done this past week, it'd be a very long list. If I were to read that through, what would it tell me about who God is in your life? What Would it tell me about the Creator, about the love of Jesus and our Savior? Would it would it tell me that you've you've followed in Jesus' footsteps, humbling yourself and considering others more than yourself? Right? Did you did you do everything without complaining or arguing? And remember that changing your actions requires a change of heart. You can't do it the other way around. The difference between learning something and repeating something is whether it's had a change or an effect to our heart or our person. If you just want to be a better person, if you want to do the right thing, if you want to avoid evil, the path doesn't just start by magically doing all the right things and saying all the right things. It starts as we fix our gaze on Jesus. It's a journey and it's a process that takes us the rest of our lives. But if you try to change your actions before you change your heart, you'll always end up back at square one. Our actions change the longer we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus too. I'll put it like this. Uh, Let's say that there there were two people who were doing the same job and they both have the task of over the course of a year building a house. And let's say that for both of these people, they have the exact same job, the exact same blueprints and plans and role to fulfill. But let's say that one of them we told they were gonna by the end of the year earn $30,000 for their work. And let's say then that the other one, he was told that he's gonna be given $3 million for the course or for his work by the end of the year. Which of those two do you think is gonna work harder for the job? Which one of the two do you think is going to do a better job of building that house? Right, probably the guy who is being paid a lot more for his work. And the same goes for our actions, right? When we want to just do a better job, when we want to stop being bad people or getting the things that we think are wrong out of our lives, the sin and failure, Right? if we try to do it on our own, we're always going to end up back at square one. We'll continually fail, and it's a depressing cycle that's discouraging But the more we see and understand the reason that we need Jesus in our lives, that's when we see that he is worth choosing every single time. He's worth choosing over every selfishness, every sin. And the more we will take joy in what he's calling us to do, right? The more fulfilling it will be to humble ourselves. The more joyful it will be when we face trials as well. And we'll have more hope in our hardships. And the more our actions will start to show others that Jesus is the Lord of your life. So what, what are your actions teaching others? Uh, but aside from our actions, one of the best ways that we can teach others is through our words, through speaking out, out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks is what Jesus tells us. And, and so as we think about this, let me change the question just a little bit. If I were to have a log of all the things that you've said this past week, how would that tell me about the love of our savior? What would that book tell me about who God is in this world? Would it tell me that you have a love for a savior who's done everything for you? Or would it tell me that you have an unhealthy interest in politics, right? Would, would your words tell me that you disregard people who are different from you or that you choose to treat people with respect, knowing that they're made in God's image? Are you complaining and mocking, or, or encouraging and authentic? Our words matter, but what do your words reveal about your own heart? I remember a few weeks ago, my wife and I had a chance to go and visit some of her family down south, and I remember as we were, as we were driving back home from the evening, we, we were both talking about one particular conversation we had with her cousins, and We both noticed that whenever we talked with this set of cousins, it was just a very encouraging conversation. It was always uplifting, and we left feeling encouraged. And as we were talking about why that was, we both recognized that it was because they chose to speak about who God is, that when we were talking with them, they didn't belittle others, they didn't choose to put others down. Even though there were circumstances they were facing that were easy to do that, when they were talking about the hardships of their life, they weren't complaining We're seeing them through the lens of opportunities, through what God is doing and working in that. I hope you've had a conversation like that too, where you leave feeling encouraged, recognizing that you've met God through the words of that person. We can point well through our words to who Jesus is in our own lives. So what type of God do people learn through your words and your actions? Are you telling people about what Jesus has done in your life? All right, this can be as simple as the difference, again, between complaining and gratefulness. In a conversation where it's easy to talk about the lack that we have in life, instead we can talk about what Jesus has given us, what he has done for us, what we do appreciate of him. Do you share what you're learning in the Bible? Or is it easier to share social media posts, news articles, news articles, Right? proverbs eighteen twenty one tells us that the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit the words that we speak can bring life and they can bring death and i'm sure that each of us have experienced both of those in our in our conversations uh, now again i want to make this very clear if you recognize that your words and your actions aren't lining up with the truth of who god is who he's called us to live in this world the fruit of his spirit and living that out Don't start by trying to be a good person and doing all the right things and saying all the right things. It's not going to work. We start by fixing our gaze on Jesus by looking to the one who laid down his life for us that we could have relationship with him. True transformation comes only as we focus on Jesus. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. When we see Jesus, when we see the price that it took to pay for our sins, the longer we fix our gaze on that, the more desire we have within ourselves to give our brokenness to him. The deeper desire we have to desire him more even. So when we see these things, then we are changed. Don't try to do it the other way around. And the good news is, no matter where you are in this journey, whether it feels like you've turned your back on God a thousand times, whether you're a million miles away, whether it feels like you have the best relationship with him, there's always a place to start on this journey. But that is what leads us to the place where we can truly teach others through our words and our actions, only when we focus our eyes on who Jesus is. So let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you've given us eyes to see and ears to hear. And in, Father, so many moments we wander away. And so, God, we ask that you, would, that you would capture our hearts, that you would bind our hearts close to you, Father. We thank you that you are in the business of calling us and working with us. Father, in the midst of whatever journey or path we're on, we thank you that you are there alongside us and desiring a deeper relationship with us. So, Father, help us. Help us to keep our gaze more on you. Help us to understand who you're calling us to be, who you're calling us to be transformed into, Father. But help us not to keep our focus on the things that we can do to earn our salvation, to keep our focus on the things that we feel like we need to do in order to earn your favor or love. God, help us to fix our eyes and see that you have already loved us. So, Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your beauty and your blessings. Amen.